0: Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Hello there, and welcome back to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, episode 161, brought to you by iHunter, Canada's number one digital hunting companion. Today, you got April and Brennan talking with Kelsey Bell, an ornithologist out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, you know, it was a really good chat that we had with Kelsey. And, you know, she's a very bird smart person. That's what ornithology is, as I. have been instructed <laughs> uh, April April's definitely the uh, the bird person in the relationship. So uh, yeah, I tagged along and asked some silly questions of my own about birds and uh, yeah, April and uh, Kelsey really broke down on this one. And yeah, <laughs> how are you doing April?
1: Good, good. Um, just keeping busy outside in the garden trying to... Get some stuff done before the snow flies. The yep, bad S yep. word.
0: You got all the tomatoes off and everything's everything's finishing up pretty nicely there. Did you guys get yeah. a frost already? I'm still out in BC, so I don't really know what's going on in Manitoba too much. But so
1: yeah. I've had one frost and it was weird because it hit only half the yard. Oh, It like hmm. hit the bottom half. You know, for anybody that knows, has been to our property, we live on a hill, on the side of a hill so our part of our property is low and part of our property is high and uh yeah the the frost hit the bottom half of the yard and killed off the squash leaves and that was it
2: oh
0: well that's that's all right happy accident yeah <laughs> lucky that's i cool. guess you could say on that well shoot yeah so the weather's the weather's uh cooling off finally
2: mm-hmm. you No know, deer
0: moving around even though you're you're already done with the deer this year but uh, I'd imagine they're moving around pretty good. I think Sheldon's still going after and Tristan's still going after probably.
1: Yeah. Just yeah. just cause the uh, just cause my deer's done in this house doesn't mean that I'm necessarily done scouting and stuff. You've still nope. got nope. an opportunity to come home and
2: mm-hmm. a, few more do tags a little to bit film. of
1: that stuff. So we've yeah. still been Watching cameras and creating pins and all mm-hmm. watching all the things in iHunter. I've been using the weather forecast um, section of it to kind of watch, you know, what's what's happening with the weather and, you know, what kind of plans we can make according to that. The nice thing about, you know, iHunter is if you go into the app and you click the compass um, at the bottom, there it'll show you the weather. So it'll show you your moon phase and it'll show you sunrise. Uh, and sunset, and then what time your hunt actually starts and ends based on that and based on your location. Because if you know, if you don't know this, uh, just because you're in Manitoba doesn't mean your legal hunting light starts at the same time every section of the province. Do you remember, Brennan, what the timing is like?
0: I believe it's 30 minutes before sunrise or 20 minutes before sunrise. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have yeah, to check for sure. 20, I check every year. Uh, sorry,
1: 30. Um, but do you remember that one time we went duck hunting and we checked the start time at home and it was one time and we checked the start time in Minidosa and it was different?
0: Ah, uh, no, I don't. I thought it was the <laughs> same all uh, the way through. I'm, I I just go by the weather app on my phone, or I have until I really yeah. got into iHunter and yep. it was just like I knew what time sunrise was and I knew I had thirty minutes before that. So
1: yeah, I. It's like in the in the um, hunting guide that there's a chart about all mm-hmm. of it. And that's usually by date, but I think it's like just a min, a minimal amount, like a minute or two, but it it really threw me off. So the cool thing about iHunter is based on your GPS location, you've got your hunt start and your actual hunt end time based on sunrise and sunset in that specific location. And then it'll tell you your, your weather based on location, which is, Mm -hmm. which is also really nice. Um, just to know what's happening, where you're going. Yep, that's a
0: pretty handy feature they got in there.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, it comes in handy now when, you know, everybody's like bird hunting and stuff like that, and you're picking all these different kinds of places and going halfway across the province for a field. And yeah, that's super handy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I saw that you have been doing some hunting over there.
0: Yeah, actually, we ended up getting out for some grouse. In bc here uh found some spruce gross and some roughy gross and uh, we did pretty well the other day i uh i actually used the catch and cook and made some beer batter chicken fingers
1: how did that turn <laughs> out it was really good really yeah. good
0: yeah no it was uh it's pretty fantastic actually i had a nice little pile and yeah it was really good that beer batters yeah it's different than most beer batters it's got a little bit of spice to it like it's it's nice that's good.
1: So, yeah have you and because uh, you went out with a friend, right, mm-hmm. a work colleague? Mm-hmm. Have you have you guys ever because this isn't the first time you've gone out together? Have do you guys ever have like a nice meal together?
0: Um, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of cook on our own. Um, yeah. you know, I see a guy at work and then see a guy during you know activities after. Sometimes it's nice to be like, okay, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna now. go
1: do my own thing but, and make my yeah, own no, meal and so. chill.
0: No, Phil, Phil's awesome. We we head out every year. while well, we've been on the same project for a couple of years now and we head out every fall when the season yeah. opens and you know we see more and more beards as the season progresses um bc's a different beast man like there's just so many more gross i would say i don't know maybe there's some places in the province i see some people getting or having some pretty good luck there in, in manitoba but i've never seen girls like that before out here mm-hmm. just you know it's the numbers and it's, it's yeah. good numbers
1: i can't believe when the conversation that you and i had the other day about how many you had seen i just like i it, I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm sure it will happen someday when our numbers take a turn and go high again, and on our side of the province. But mm-hmm. let's hope that day comes. Yeah, I it do. Will. I do have a little, um, a little something. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but we got a little something from Badlands that's in our house.
0: Oh that's, yeah, the the vinyl case and that's bear waiting spray for
1: harness. yeah, waiting for somebody to test it out. So mm-hmm. seeing yeah. as though I'm done, that'll be. That might be your little, I don't want to call huh? it a job to test it no, out. No, that'll but... be
0: something. No, it'll be be—it'll be interesting. I'm actually pretty excited for that bear maze holder. A, <laughs> uh, a Maybe a place where they can stay? <laughs> quick quick background story is April no. bear mazed herself in her Jeep one time. Got oh. bear maze everywhere, especially in her eyes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> upon cleaning the Jeep, she didn't do such a good job. A couple, I think it was months later, I took the Jeep for a drive into town and I had to click on the 4x4 and, you know, it's a little Jeep Patriots next to the shifter there and you just pull it up and I didn't think much of it, you know, the vehicle didn't smell like it it was fine, but I had rubbed my eyes uh, from somewhere between the house turning on the 4x4 (laughs) and the highway and I had to pull over and call April because I couldn't see and I was going blind because of the <laughs> residual, I guess, that didn't quite get cleaned up from every surface of the Jeep and literally blinded myself two months after her own bear mace attack on herself.
1: <laughs> so, Secondhand so bear macing. I'm, I'm
0: yeah, she got me. It was months later, but she got me. I don't know what I did, but yeah. So I, I am excited for, for something like that to keep something like that secured.
1: <laughs> <laughs> secured and safe yeah oh man yeah no that that's a good point it valid yeah it's that'll good. be a good idea yeah oh well so yeah
0: so yeah so kelsey bell, kelsey bell
1: Ornithol, let's get into
0: it Or ornithology i'm sure i'm mangling up in the podcast but uh I, yeah she was a really good guest and uh i mm-hmm. hope you guys really enjoy her conversation she's got a lot of cool bird stats And uh, some tips and tricks when it comes to uh, saving birds. That's right. So without further ado, I guess here it is, episode 161.
1: So welcome to the Panoramic Podcast, Kelsey. We're really excited to talk birds with you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having
3: me
1: um kelsey i like i know you well but i don't think a lot of people that are going to be listening to this maybe might not know you so well so can you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself i don't know about how you got into the outdoors maybe what got you into the birds
3: sure yeah um yeah so i was born and raised in winnipeg um did not grow up in a really outdoorsy family i had one uncle who took me fishing and he was a huge bird watcher but of course i was a kid and thought that was lame um <laughs> and then yeah i went to university to at the u of m to get a biology degree but i flip-flopped back and forth i almost got a business degree scary um but i yeah took a biology of birds class and was like oh you can work with birds for a living <laughs> that's the thing um so yeah, I pretty I remember going back to my uh, advisor and being like, I need to change all of my courses and get back into biology uh, <laughs> because now I want to work with birds. But I guess it um, kind of stemmed. I went on a volunteer research. I went as a volunteer for a research job thing in a in Africa for a oh, month, wow. and part Ooh. of so while I was in school. And, you know, I went to Africa because I wanted to see the elephants and giraffes and stuff. Uh, And part of my duties were bird counts. So every morning we had to do the bird counts. At the time, I was like, oh, these kind of suck. You know, it's early. Birds are annoying and hard to ID. And then I got home and started seeing all these birds. And I was like, I wonder what that was. And so I bought myself a field guide. Then I took the biology of birds class and it just snowballed from there. So it's been nearly 10 years that I oh started birding and I pretty much just went full dove head in, started uh, teaching myself and then took, I don't know, I've, I I do a lot of volunteering and I uh, met a lot of people in Manitoba who have some incredible skill and just like latched onto them and <laughs> soaked
1: up as much as I could. Uh, yeah. Favorite person syndrome.
3: But
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I got really lucky with some cool experiences. I ended up doing, a, when I did my biology undergrad, I did an honors. I had a my biology of birds professor like sucked me into it because I was like, I'm never doing an honors. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yep, never doing it. And then, uh, yeah, I said, I was like, fine, I'll go to the info meeting. Uh, so What's, I went.
1: What is so, an honors?
3: Uh so it's basically a miniature masters that you do oh, in your
1: undergrad
3: so you have in biology it's um you come up with a research question and you have a semester and like a or two semesters and a summer so a full year to execute the like prepare the research question execute the experiment or the observations and then do the write up and then mm-hmm. you have a presentation and like a defense essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, at the time I was like, ah, it's too much work. I'm not doing that. And I somehow got sucked into it and got really lucky because it gave me some really good like core experience while I was still in university. So right out of university, I got a cool job working with birds uh, in North Dakota and it just, everything just took off from there. So
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, what was your honor's question or observation? Uh, so I yeah. was,
3: yeah, I was looking at Purple Martins. Uh, oh. So a lot of people would be familiar with Purple Martins. <laughs> uh, and we were putting GPS tags, GPS trackers on them. Uh-huh. Uh, so we put them on one summer and then they fly south. And in the following summer, we, the birds come back and we remove the GPS trackers. and then we can see where they go so i was looking at what habitats they were using on their wintering grounds so um a lot of anecdotal evidence in the past uh, so basically it's like like um regular people are noticing things and saying that it's one thing that's what we call like anecdotal uh, so they thought that most of the purple martens kind of roosted in cities in their wintering grounds. So when they go down to South America, um, but there was no actual like scientific evidence of any of it. Uh, so I was looking at like where they're actually going and what habitat type. So yeah, we figured out they're using islands in the Amazon uh, and we had birds. Yeah. We had birds from all over. So like Manitoba, Pennsylvania, Um, Saskatchewan uh, I can't remember some of the other several years ago now but from all over North America we're roosting on the exact same island at the same time yeah pretty like wild so it's clearly like really critical habitat for them Mm -hmm. Uh, purple martins are part of a group of birds that are declining like very drastically Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the threats to them would be they want to put a whole bunch of dams through the Amazon, which would flood these islands. Um, so it was really important that we got this information because hopefully it'll help mitigate some of the threats by maybe not flooding the islands that they right. use. Yeah, so,
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's kind wow. of cool, but the things that you don't, without having the technology, you'd have no idea. Mm-hmm. And wow. it was brand new technology. Um, and there was a whole group of people working on stuff. And my specific one was, habitat types. They were using broad leafed um, deciduous habitat. So <laughs> and I can That's look at crazy. that based on like map layers from government agencies and stuff. Right. And, oh sweet. Yeah, it was uh yeah, it was kinda neat and it was a cool question and yeah, it got me just enough experience to try some other things. And now I've gone in a completely different direction than I don't and I study grassland. So <laughs> <laughs> I left but still the habitat. yeah yeah no I still do a lot of habitat related stuff but different birds so yeah Great. Right. yeah oh,
0: that's pretty awesome
3: well <laughs> that's cool <laughs> yeah it's uh unique I guess so
0: that's pretty cool that's that's neat hearing how you got into it uh when one of the ways we start our podcast just to get to know you a little bit better is our five burning questions that we have April.
1: Oh Oh my gosh. No, it's like, (laughs) don't don't stress. They're they're questions that you get to like elaborate as much or as little as you want to. Yeah. And of course we tailor a few of them to like your passion. So, um, so that you can just go nuts and tell us whatever you want to tell us.
0: (laughs) That's right. They're
1: pretty easy going. Okay. So we'll ask you, I'll start and then Brennan, uh, will finish with his two. So my first question for you, Kelsey is if you had one last meal on this whole earth, what would it be? Oh, that was so hard.
3: Um, I think like a good, like a, like a chicken souvlaki pita with tzatziki, <sighs> like loaded with tzatziki sauce. Oh, I'm like such a sucker for Greek foods and chicken. Mm. Yeah. And it's like so hard. Like I like the chicken souvlaki, but I'm such a bread person too, so I gotta have it with the pita. And tzatziki is just—I'm addicted to it. With like a really good, like creamy Caesar salad or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that
1: sounds good. That's not what <laughs> it's I expected, but it sounds kind, good. Kind of what I want for. I know lunch it's now. totally okay. good. <laughs> oh, yeah,
3: probably. like where can I yeah. find <laughs> Greek
1: food in one now? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's the thing—is it's hard to find like good Greek. Yeah, Greek. good because I mean you can go to Subway and get like.
2: Yeah,
1: but it's not, there's a really good restaurant by me here in Winnipeg that, you know, they I try that gets to get your business through. quite yeah. often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, my next one for you, you're gonna like this one. Um, mm-hmm. If you could get up close and personal with only one bird in the whole world, and you could travel anywhere to go see it, which one? Oh, my goodness. That's a hard one.
2: There's so many. Um, <laughs>
1: uh, this
0: this one always stresses people out a little bit. Like we've had we've had some yeah. guests like we fishing people f- more fishing people that uh you know where what fish? Ah and then all of a sudden the tamarind from Mongolia. <laughs> like, and you're oh, like, what? Like, <laughs> the yeah, hoof? there is
2: actually
3: there's uh, I'm blanking on the name right now, which is dumb, but there's this bird um yeah it's like a really friendly little parrot um from where i believe it's new zealand uh hang on i'm googling
2: <laughs>
3: friendly <laughs> yeah, parrot from so, new zealand is it the green so one yeah it's a um, um it's a, a, a sirocco no the kakapo ca- kakapo cacap- yeah kakapo kakapo but they're like these weird alpine carrots, and they're super intelligent, and they're like really friendly, and they would just kind of like hang out with you. But they just look weird and are cool, and that
1: would be one because they, yeah, they're like curious and kind of fun. So these that's kind of. I'm like You're, I googled something. What is this? All that is interesting. So found on remote New Zealand islands, the kakapo pou pow kakapo 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 yeah. something or other is a giant flightless parrot that is critically endangered yeah. um and they are oddly adorable and are beloved for their friendly personalities and f- peaceful nature yeah yeah That's but, this, but sadly these flightless birds are in danger of becoming extinct yes they yeah, are is. definitely very odd looking they're like the strangest looking little parrot Yeah, Um, but yeah, they have like a little
3: mustache. Big personalities and yeah, yeah. They're (laughs) super cute.
1: Like the guys, the photos on here and each and every one of the photos, the birds are like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and they're like super cute. Yeah, Yeah, everything like there's ones he's he's like taking a picture from underneath and the birds like looking down at him like, yeah, that's really cool.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's probably one that's up there for an up close and personal.
1: Like I'd cry. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah that would be so I mean like first of all to go oh, to cassowary. New Zealand oh, my I want to see a cassowary which is a giant flightless
3: prehistoric bird from Australia and when I was there I didn't get to see one so that's yeah so do you, you want could go to me?
1: Australia and New Zealand and you could do a tour mm-hmm. and see both of the giant flightless birds
3: yeah cassowaries are the most dangerous bird on the planet? Though. What? Yeah, oh yeah, they kill people. All. <laughs> oh, no Hang on,
1: I'm getting on the Google so, again.
0: So, so we're going from the extreme of like the nicest bird you can meet <laughs> yeah, to just the, the biggest nice bird. dick bird.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they look, they look like dinosaurs.
2: Oh. They have
3: blue heads. They're very and like they have these talons that, like, think of an ostrich. <laughs> But with a bigger head and like a oh, shield. Oh
1: yes. And they got that like yeah. shield guy on top. Yeah. This like huge yeah.
3: they're super aggressive and they attack people like often. Ah. Like Yeah. Like there's like warning signs all over. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like the first article I pulled up is last Friday, a seventy five year old man was attacked by at least one of the exotic birds that he <laughs> rears in his property in Florida, USA. His injuries yeah. were so severe. That he later died in hospital. Of course, it's yeah. in Florida
0: because Florida man oh. is a thing. <laughs>
1: that's amazing. Like, yeah. look at this. Look at this picture. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That's the last thing the photographer saw.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the pictures from the phone of the guy that died. Oh, oh that's very rude of me. Sorry.
0: You know, a bird that I like, that I see often is uh, uh, the shoebill stork. Have you seen the shoebill storks? (laughs) They're so cool looking. Yeah, they're freaky (laughs) looking. They are, but they look... That
2: would be cool to see, too. See, how once you get like... Yeah, yeah. They're
1: kind of like evil looking. Oh, oh my.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah, they look look menacing head on. And then you kind of see them, they just kind of give you a... They give you like a derp face, yeah, like that one.
2: Yeah, 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 they look evil.
1: Oh, I awesome. want to see a penguin.
3: Yeah. Well, penguins are on my list. You know, Antarctica. I'd love to go to the Antarctica and see that. to the north.
1: That would be sweet. Okay. We got far off on that one. That's okay. Um, Backtrack Number three, yeah. back on track. Number three, which I feel like is gonna, Kelsey's gonna get off track with this one too, which that's is, okay. <laughs> um, what is your biggest bucket list adventure?
2: Can be
0: anything. Doesn't have to be burden related. Yeah, it just does not have to be bird related. Adventure. Fishing.
2: Um,
3: yeah, I think like uh like South America for every just just all of it. No, um I'd love to fish like Patagonia region. Yes. Um so that like is a Jurassic Lake where they have like the giant rainbow trout
2: mm-hmm. um
3: in Argentina, I
2: believe. Mm-hmm. Um
3: but yeah, some some exploring in South America for both fishing and birds. So you know, I'd love to fish things like peacock bass. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then just obviously the the birds
1: in South America. I could just do so much down there. For... So if you were gonna go bird watching in South America, mm-hmm. what time of the year would you go so that you would have all of our birds plus most of their birds? Uh,
3: December, December. Maybe she she knows it's December, yeah, December. people. December, yeah, December, January. Um, you'd have both. Uh, yeah, but they'd all be in kind of a lot of them would be in non-breeding plumage if they were our birds. Um,
2: Does so it, summertime is it that still different?
3: Be, yeah, some of the birds are. There's there's a for the warblers in mm-hmm. the fall, they're referred to as confusing fall warblers. It's just like a group of birds that. Their plumage changes so much, and they all look so similar that if you look in a bird a field guide, it's often labeled "confusing fall warblers." And there's like a summary page. Oh. Because <laughs> yeah, they all just kind of lose their bright colors and they
1: turn this like drab olive beige, green. Kind of like what the females look like.
3: Yeah, even and then the females also get more drab too. Oh. So it's just like drab <laughs> Poor <also>. girls. <laughs>
1: The girls in the bird world already are kind of boring. Oh no, there's some beautiful female, you, like, you know, female waterfowl.
3: That's... Yeah, or the ph- phalaropes are opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, the females are more brightly colored. The vultury the the phalaropes. What's they're like a small little shorebird type duck thing. Oh, um, they often they're really tiny. They sit in the water and they spin in circles. Kind of look like. <laughs> yeah they just i don't know they look goofy um but there's three species of fowler opes in canada and all all three of them the females are the more brightly colored ones compared to the males and the males are the ones that take care of the nest so the females wow. dump peace out yeah peace out bro yeah Have fun and a belted <laughs> kingfisher is one that a lot of people don't know that it's the hmm. female that is more brightly colored than the male so
1: really.
3: yeah the belt the males don't have the belt, only the females
1: do. I told you she knows so much, Brennan. Hey,
0: I believed you. As as, Before
1: this, I was like, as soon as you we're going to get into this with Kelsey. Yeah. She can ID anything. Yeah, you were, it could be a blob yeah. in the sky. It could be a baseball, and she would know she would yeah. be.
0: Yeah. Brennan, she's an ornithologist, okay? And I'm like, I, I, believe, you. <laughs> I believe you.
1: I can't remember yeah. what it was when we were at when we were fishing when we were carp fishing and there was a bird and yeah. it was flying and it was like way far and like all you could see was it's like ass and its wings flapping and i'm like kelsey what's that and she id'd it and i'm like what how you
2: know
1: i
3: could just be like making it up you know i could just tell you anything <laughs> i would believe <laughs> you though. <laughs>
2: no.
1: just, it's just like, a hummingbird all right cool <laughs> yeah. sounds good yeah. to me no. um brennan yours is
0: next yes well we're gonna pivot away from uh birds for just a moment uh if you could attend any music concert for a singer uh past or present would it be where would it be
3: i feel like this is such a hard one because i'm i like don't get attached to musicians um maybe tom petty though. oh yeah go for some tom petty or like super embarrassing but like kesha those oh like, yeah <laughs> those are
2: very different.
3: deadly oh, that's what I mean I have like my like tastes are all over the place and like I feel like, I feel like Kesha is like one of those ones from when I was you know younger but mm-hmm. still so nostalgic that
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: but and then Kelsey yeah, do you
1: do you like EDM
3: yes I'm, yeah I'll listen to it like I and I go through phases like all the time like it's like you know one day I'm I don't know. Like the other day, I was listening to Taylor Swift. I haven't listened to Taylor Swift in years, but for some reason, I. (laughs) Maybe I can, maybe I can
1: like get you into EDM at the proper time and like drag you out to Shambhala.
3: Yeah, you just have to send me. (laughs) It's really about like the vibe. I used to dance. So I find like a lot of my music, it's like, is there a good like
1: beat? Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) Is how I. Like, I'm less of, a, like, a lyric person, but, like, a yeah. feel
1: yeah. of the music, so. Yeah. And, like, don't drag on too long to get me into the song. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. go here. If it's going to yeah. be a good, like, dance music, it needs to be quick. Let's, let's go yeah. here. Yeah, I'm all over the place, so.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's funny. April, oh. on. <laughs> <laughs> April's your mus-
2: <laughs> first April's
0: musical stylings are often the same just determined by random things in the day she could be making pierogies to sandstorm and then be in the other room and just be doing you know some <laughs> country true. song yep it's
2: just yeah
0: all, all within that's, an hour and a half of each other's so, yeah yep.
3: that's that's me too that's depends on like it. what i'm working on mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. awesome well the final one is one that we kind of do with everybody uh we call it fuck you money but If there was an unlimited amount of money, whether you found a bag of it or it's just genie in a lamp gave you unlimited money, what would you do with it? Would you go on a trip? What would you buy? Just anything.
3: Uh, Like become a professional traveler. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would save it
1: all and be super cheap so that I could travel around forever.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I... I, like, waffle between, like, you know, wanting land so I can get away from people, but also mm-hmm. I want some sort of, like, van so I can just travel wherever I want, whenever I want. I oh, got yeah. the binoculars and the fishing rods it's and off I go. Or, like, attract side by side so I can get to, like, the good spots on Lake Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We're <I'm
0: laughs> just so you. specific, but. It makes a big yeah. difference. It makes a big difference. <laughs>
3: A friend with a track side by side, it's just uh, travel is so nice because it's warm on the inside, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's seat, um, and you can go anywhere in it. So,
0: just bad thing yeah. about tracks is when they break, they break, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, yeah, giant pain in the butt. They're really like the expense of them is, yeah, that's go really slow. There's
3: no like flying across. Mm. <laughs> You but that's no fun. <laughs> They're
2: so cute.
1: Yeah. I remember on the, the tournament, like, KWT this past winter with Blake, there was um, some tracked side-by-sides, and we would be just going along on our snowmobile. And, I mean, we broke so much stuff. Like, yeah, I think we're down three buddy heaters. Oh, good. From, yeah. I mean, t- two were Blake's that are broken, and one is ours that's broken. But Oh, nice. Um, You just – you're, like – chugging along because we knew that if we went too fast, we would break stuff. And there was one day that Blake just got a little overzealous and we, that's when we broke stuff. But yeah. um, those tracked guys are just like, just whizzing by you and you're like, holy man. <laughs> so cool. yeah, and of course nice. some tracks broke. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Well shit. Yeah. It. That, uh, that wraps up our five burning questions. April, you had a lot to talk about when you see now about some birding. <laughs>
1: I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. April's such
0: a bird nut. I, uh, I've been out in BC working for a couple of years here and in the first year, get a text and it's, you have to call me. You have to call me. Oh, okay. Like what's going Like you have to get to service. Oh, okay. Like emergency at home call. What was it? Was it Grosbeak's or was it? orioles like just i drove like a fucking hour (laughs) to get service i work in the mountains and it's like this i get this one little squeaker text come through i'm like oh oh my god oh my god like fire uh Yeah. But, you know, like the, the, the emergencies go through my head. Yeah. No, a fucking bird that she had to nail an orange to our hand. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, but it's her, it's important to her. So I obviously, was yeah. like, yes. <laughs> well, that's really neat. You know, like and now she's got quite the little sanctuary going with birds mm-hmm. and I'm all for yeah, it. it.
1: it up on you too.
0: Oh, on, on the farm, It's, it's pretty amazing yeah. having all the stuff that she K- has. K- there, you know? Don't worry.
1: Like you probably didn't get as many text messages this year because Kelsey got them oh good <laughs> when I was like oh my god the bunting is back <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know I think I text mom I'm pretty sure I text Kelsey I text Melissa yeah. over that one and I'm like sending pictures to everybody and yeah mm-hmm. I Aww. that that one no not bunting um the the, the yeah, you know, yeah yeah indigo bunting um my indigo stayed like all summer yeah I probably nested nearby then So, and it was like right by the yard, and he had a specific tree that he sang in every day. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kelsey, would you be able to like get on the technology of like with your GPS colors to also have like a little camera so that they could land on our railing and can kind of see these? There people like April running oh God, from window to window.
1: To see it.
0: I think that would just be the greatest of all time. We April, create out. that, Kelsey. Yeah, just stuck to the window. There's the dog in the one window that's interested in yeah. everything outside, and then there's yeah. April, yeah, just, just <laughs> frantically running just from face. the kitchen window, yeah. to the bedroom window.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's me too. I
0: think that would. I think that would be amazing. Um,
3: yeah, I don't think we're quite at that level yet. The yeah. Soon. birds are too small. You're only allowed to put five percent of their body weight on them. Oh yeah. So all of the any device you put on them has to be really tiny. So that's our limiting factor is weight, which is battery size. Is battery oh, size? Okay.
1: Oh my gosh. So yeah. Yeah, limiting there's factors, like nothing.
3: You can't get batteries small enough to last long enough for some of the so when I did the Purple Martin stuff, that was the smallest bird who had ever had GPS attached to it we've gone smaller now but yeah back then like way way back when
1: seven years ago yeah Yeah.
2: what what Um,
3: part
1: of the bird are you putting
0: the uh the trackers on sorry uh,
3: they go on their backs so for songbirds so like you know when you think of geese trackers and stuff they always put them around their necks Mm -hmm. or they put them on little leg bands on their ankles um for small songbirds like martins, we put them put it on their back. And we it, we tie these little backpacks essentially <laughs> with like two little legs, and then you put it on like your leg and then tie it around the other leg. And, yeah, oh, that's cool. So they where, it's literally, yeah, we call the backpacks. backpacks <laughs> so so. Around each leg um,
1: can you explain, Kelsey? Um, like, something that we see that you do a lot on social media is banding and like pulling birds out of nets and things like that. So, is that maybe what you had done to catch your purple martins? But can you also talk a little bit about like the work that you do in Manitoba right now? Yeah. So, yeah. So, bird
3: banding, what I've been doing lately, um, it's there's a bunch of different reasons we band the birds. Uh, and the project that I'm kind of helping with right now is a migration monitoring station. So, what those are is they generally run during the spring and or the fall and it's a very standardized protocol where you set up nets and i'll get into the nets in a minute we set up nets 30 minutes before sunrise and you run it for six hours Um, so assuming the weather is good um we start 30 minutes before sunrise and every half hour you check the nets for birds that have just passively gone into the net And the nets we use are what we call mist nets. So M-I-S-T, like fog type mist. Um, and they're called that because they're very hard to see. So they kind of look like giant volleyball nets, but with four different levels in them. They're split into kind of four sections and they're usually ten feet or yeah, ten feet tall and they're like twelve foot feet long. And the idea is that you put it kind of between, like in a corridor, we'd call it. So it's between two areas of vegetation. So that when the bird flies from one spot to another, it can't see the net very well. And it just flies into the net. And then it just sits there and waits for us to come along and take it out. Um, And yeah, we do that. um, We start middle of July and we go till the end of September, up at Okamak Marsh in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, once we, when we ban the birds, we're collecting a lot of data from them at the same time. So we're, we do all sorts of measurements like wing length. We determine the age and the sex of the bird. So was it basically, was it hatched this year or is it older than this year? Uh, most birds are very challenging to age past like one years old, basically. Um, and then we also check if they're storing fat. Um, so fun fact about birds, they have see-through skin. Uh, and yeah, so when you look at a if you part their feathers, you can see through their skin and muscle is going to show up pink and fat will show up yellow. Mm-hmm. So we check, you know, the furcular cavity. I'm sure you know what the furcular cavity is, where the wishbone is it's that like hollow spot on a bird. Uh, that's where they store their fat. So it starts to like build with fat and then it can like bulge out of their chest essentially. Um, so we rate how much fat they've been storing there. Uh, and that's a really cool one because it can tell you the like health of the environment that you're in. So if the birds are arriving and maybe sometimes sometimes we'll catch the same bird like every day for three or four day period. And if they're, not gaining fat in that time and if like every bird that we recapture several times isn't gaining fat it could mean that we're in poor quality habitat but if they're building fat and gaining weight while they're migrating um that's a good sign for the area so they're using it as what we call a stopover site uh which is where they stop and hang out and refuel for the next like overnight flight they're gonna do mm-hmm. so yeah. So migration monitoring is kind of this like one big project and they've got stations all over Canada, U.S., Mexico, or like South America kind of thing. Um, and the station I help out at is part of the Canadian Migration Monitoring Network. Uh, so we have to follow a very specific protocol based on what they do so that everyone's collecting the same data and it can be used essentially nationwide. Um so yeah, that is that. Um, Other bird banding things, sometimes we're just targeting specific species. So we wouldn't just put nets up and leave them for six hours. We would go into a habitat, find a bird, set up a net, and then actually play the sound of the bird. So play their song, which makes males really territorial and aggressive. And they try to fly into where the song is coming from and hopefully into the net. Uh and purple martens, you can't catch with a net at all. Um, we actually wait until they fly into their house and then you take like a big paint pole with a sock onto it and you block the hole, uh, pull the house down because they're usually on like a pulley system. Pull the house down, take the bird out, band it, put it back, raise the house back up. It's quite the process. So yeah, every bird kind of gets caught a different way, but for the most part I'm using mist nets
1: for what we call passive migration monitoring. Mm -hmm. so yeah my dad has one or two of the big purple martin actually i think it's one and then so his has like four i think he calls them apartment blocks Mm -hmm. so he's got i think there's like four apartment blocks and each one has like four or five holes in it or four or five like single apartments and then he has another or the house and then those are the apartments maybe i can't remember yeah but there's like four sections, and then he has another one that is like just one section, and it has a few holes in it. Okay, yeah. And yeah, so it's just I, I know how excited he gets um, to yeah. to when they're there, and he'll like use a stereo, and he has um, mm-hmm. the purple martin um, like T-toy. song, like mating songs, or yeah. or do they have a song that's that's for them to like gather kind of thing? Yeah. So.
3: Purple Martins are what we call a like gregarious species. So they like to be in groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the beginning of the season, they tend to go to areas, like when they're picking which house to go to, Um, they go where the other birds are. So having a lot of people put decoys out too. So they'll like... Yeah, he does that. Purple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they play the sound. So it makes it sound like there's a lot more activity um, yeah. going on. And yeah, so there's always... First thing in the first thing of the year, there's usually one bird that comes back first, and it's always an adult male, and we call that the scout bird. So oh, you're okay. basically trying to trick the birds into thinking that there's a scout bird there
1: and that this is like a good spot. Yeah, that he's already but, showed up and he likes this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess but that's yeah, what he does. Uh,
3: yeah, it's very common. Uh, that's when we were putting up new houses. That's what what we did to try to get them to establish in it and stuff, and it worked. Mm-hmm really well so yeah I remember his
1: first year his first year he didn't have any purple martins nothing yeah and he he was like super sad yeah and then the next I think it was the next year when he started using the like sound and and using the stereo to play it and oh yeah he's he's so excited they like they write down how many birds like the first day that the birds show up they write down how many are there and then how many they end up with and she does that for her hummingbirds and like everything oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's all she's all about it which is silly because now what do you think i'm doing
0: it's no, a genetic thing yes there's old jim there just getting the birds to mate <laughs> there's dirty, just,
2: yeah. great though yeah hey oh, dad
1: so he his I, tunes. Have a, I have a question for you um and this goes along with like your migration studies and such um, I noticed on social media and so we are recording this podcast on September 13th and so we're like a day late in air quotes but hopefully the information that we can give people will be helpful and they can remember it for other times or during other migrating seasons but you had posted and I even noticed it and and paid attention to it that is it Cornell Lab posted their like the I can't remember the exact wording but it was like the great migration like there's a huge migration going on right now and oh the the big oh the the map I can't remember there was like yeah there was like a map and it was showing the migration and like it seemed like this is like a bigger event than normal
3: yeah so it's um it's actually something they put out every year so we can they can track bird migration using like satellites Mm mm-hmm Um, So bird, sometimes like the bird migration is so, like so many birds are moving at one time that it literally shows up on um, like thermal and like satellite imaging kind of thing.
1: Um, Yeah. So it looks like a weather system coming through. Um, And so is that not normal? Like, is this that just occasionally they group up with so much, so many more birds than normal?
3: Um yes and no so it's totally dependent on the weather and the year and the timing kind of thing so every year there's always going to be like a couple days where they put out like an alert like hey there's this is we're estimating that there's going to be like more birds than usual moving tonight and it's partly because like the weather's perfect like if you got a nice south wind they hop on that south wind and move Mm -hmm. um especially if it's been like really bad weather for several days and all of a sudden you get one nice day, all of those birds, like they've got catching up to do. So they'll just,
1: they're all going to go. Up a...
3: Yeah. So it really <laughs> is dependent. It's you can get it anytime between like August through till end of September. And most of that gets tracked in the States. So we're often like a day or two ahead of that, mm-hmm. those like notices, but they're still really helpful to know. And that's when it's like, that's when it's important. I think they were calling that out. So that people turned up, turned lights out. Uh, so oh, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you turn out, When birds are migrating lights, confuse them. So they get drawn into cities and then they get really um, disoriented. Uh, and what happens is they often start hitting windows and stuff too. Um, So keep, keeping, keeping your lights out at night. Uh, yeah. Keeping lights out at night can help keep them out of the city so they don't get disoriented. And Putting things on your windows to prevent them from hitting your windows is a major uh, help, and I do it in spring and fall. I treat my windows so that birds aren't hitting windows mm-hmm. um, because yeah, like sometimes it's three hundred million birds moving in one night. I mean, since we're on the window topic, um, windows are the second uh, most deadly thing to birds in the world. Um, so more birds hit windows. The 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 biggest threat is cats, outdoor cats. Um, and then
0: next, oh, yeah, it's like a billion birds.
3: A billion birds just, yeah, a billion birds in Canada and the U.S. are killed by cats each year. And, and so
1: Windows sorry. is a little bit less. Windows is a little less. I don't mean to take I I don't mean to change it on you all of a sudden, but like, yeah. so people. So I know that some people probably listening are going to be like, "Oh, whatever." Like, it's just a few birds that a cat killed, but. What, what really are, or what, what is the implicate implications? Is that the right word? What are the implications of that?
4: If you're listening to this episode, we know you love local and so do we. That's why we're going to encourage you to check out your local co-op. Co-op is in over 600 communities across Western Canada with over 2 million members. Co-ops are a member driven organization that serve the local community. You can check out co-ops for all your food fuel home and construction as well as agricultural needs a membership costs you ten dollars to get in and you're going to see that back in equity you don't need a membership to shop at co-op but you would be missing out on all the equity and most importantly your say and how that company runs for groceries if you want to shop online you can check it out online at shop.crs and select markets there's hundreds of local products source and package all across Western Canada, and even free cookies for children in store at the deli counter. If you're looking at a home and building experience, they have local experts available to help with any plans, large or small, and free home and garage blueprints available for online download. Their gas stations are not just a great place to stop for fuel, but also for snacks and a recharge. They're available all across Western Canada, voted the cleanest bathrooms, they have full service at most locations and car washes at most locations. On the egg side, co op has been in the business since 1930 and has continued to lead the way in not just energy products needed for seeding, harvesting, and everything in between, but also in the growing inventory of high-quality products including crop inputs and feed that co-op manufactures and distributes. Co-op's private label production selection is growing every year, providing growers with the high quality products they expect from the name they trust. Co-op also offers a range of fuel, lubricant, and propane products, and also provides farm buildings, grain bins, bulk fuel, fuel tanks, livestock equipment, fencing, and heaters. Wherever you are, be sure to check out your local co-op because they have it all.
3: So cats are non-native species. So I'm a cat person. I love cats. I'm like, I have cats, but all my cats stay inside um, because they, they're predators, like very in, like aggressive, intense predators. And a lot of times people say like, oh, but I feed them. They're not eating. They're not catching things like, well, they've done tons of studies where they actually put cameras on cats and they only actually bring back 25% of what they kill.
1: Wow. So They're not Ooh. actually
3: seeing everything that they kill and they don't. <laughs> eat they don't eat everything they kill sometimes they just you know injure it and play with it and kind of thing so cats are extremely detrimental not just to birds but to like amphibians too like there's so many um amphibians reptiles and small mammals too just all of the local fauna in an area cats are a threat everywhere and there's places like especially islands where they've literally there's animals like birds that have gone extinct because of cats. Um, so you've got these flightless birds, cats get on the Island. They, you know, the birds didn't have any natural predators before and they don't even fly. Um, mm-hmm. And that they just completely decimate them. So it's very common. Um, cats are, yeah, a lot of people, you know, like farms, you get used for as like mousers and stuff. And, but um, yeah, they, they are very, there's more like cats in the world than there are people kind of thing. And they do a lot of damage to the local. So I'm all about keeping your cats indoors as much as possible and definitely the spay and neuter route. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they can, they can wipe out. They, they do a lot more damage than people realize and they've done lots of studies, but number one threat to birds is cats, Is uh, outdoor
1: cats. Are there ways that, say, for example, you live in town or something, and you know that there are cats in the neighborhood, is there ways that, as a property owner, you can help kind of make your yard more of a sanctuary and help to keep the cats out? Spray hose. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, it's a a lot of, like,
3: watching them and, like, getting rid of them Mm -hmm. yourself, so, you know, traps, whatever, but I have heard it sounds weird, but apparently male urine, so, like, men can go around peeing in their yard
1: and it's
0: supposed to keep cats away away. don't worry we'll save you
1: my husband's like great great this sounds like so much this is why i'm
0: doing it this is why and you know what yeah i bet you i bet you that would have worked in india there's a there's a tiger there with uh over 400 confirmed kills (laughs) and uh maybe maybe people should have been peeing outside more i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Cats, man
2: man.
3: Yeah, so it's it's hard. Cats are a challenge, and they're, you know, at some point the cats just end up being wild animals mm-hmm. too. So it's yeah, yep. it's not not necessarily pet cats either. But that's,
0: yeah, that's crazy. Windows. I don't think that's not yeah, That's not, not counting windshields, right? Like that's windows in homes.
3: Yeah, that's the, Yeah, truck or vehicle traffic is like a whole other. Um, they've done studies with that, but it's a lot lower. And for mm-hmm. windows. A lot of people assume because it gets a lot of attention that it's like skyscrapers, like city skyscrapers, but uh, single-story houses are actually worse, single-story buildings.
0: Especially ones with bird feeders in front of the window?
3: No, actually. There's certain distances to put a bird feeder (laughs) to prevent or minimize window strikes. How far is that?
1: I think it's less than 10 feet from a window. keep your bird feeders less than 10 feet from your window? is that so that like if they are picking up speed to fly that they don't have enough like air space yeah. to get going to smash into a window yeah.
3: yeah so 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 there's two ways there's to keep it close enough that they don't have enough momentum um it mm-hmm. also creates kind of a reflection on the window uh, that breaks the reflection of the like the what happens Okay. birds hit windows for several reasons one they see the reflection of the trees and like habitat like in front of the window. So it looks Mm -hmm. the same. So they think they can just fly into like that next tree and it's Mm -hmm. a window. Um, Another one is there's plants on the inside of the house that Mm -hmm. they think they can fly to. Mm -hmm. And the third one is you've got, say you've got like a big window on the front of your house and like a patio window at the back. So they think they can go all the way through to the other side. Mm -hmm. So for To prevent window strikes, you want to break up the reflection, essentially, like break up the image that they're seeing. Um, So having a bird feeder closer to the window adds something else that it's the reflections not as um, clear, but it also slows them down so they don't have as much speed that if they do hit the window, it's not going to be lethal.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, And then the other thing to do is keep it. uh, There's a certain distance away that I'd have to look up. You can keep it either very close to your window or very far from the window to prevent lethal strikes. Did you also see there's there's a
0: coating?
1: Stickers. Yeah.
3: So there's, there's so, there's a ton of different um, window treatments, we call them. Um, The reflective hawk shaped silhouette things don't work. Um, They, yeah, they are okay on a small window and they might work for a little bit, but it's not going to be permanent. So. When you, if you're thinking of a bird that has a reflection or just looking at a reflection, they're small birds. So you want to break up the reflections so that the bird doesn't think it can squeeze between that area. So if you've got mm-hmm. like a silhouette of a bird in one corner of the window, you've still got this huge section that the bird sees. So that's why those don't work. They don't cover enough. So if you're doing a vertical design, so up and down, your design needs to be no more than four inches apart. If you're doing a horizontal design, so um it needs to be no more than two inches apart. So okay. what I do on my windows, because it's really easy and cheap and it's fast is I take a bar of soap, plain ivory soap, and I literally draw lines down my window. So from top to bottom, four inches apart. It breaks up the reflection, creates this like kind of film on the window i do it in the spring mm-hmm. it rains all summer it gets washed off i do it again in the fall <clears> And <dirt throat> my windows um there's all sorts of like uh stickers you can get to put on windows but the important part is having them spaced out if it's a vertical design it's four inches horizontal two inches because oh. if, like, if you think of a vertical design the wingspan of the birds they can't get between that right if you think mm-hmm. of a horizontal they're not gonna you know bird isn't there you're not really body world exactly yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah and it's just it has to be on the outside of the window too you can't put it on the inside of the window um so yeah it's like it's a whole thing they've done there's so many studies on it um but yeah it's something like 50 over 50 percent of the birds that die from window collisions are on houses um so something that everyone can do Mm
2: -hmm.
3: uh it's only like one percent i think it's a very low number that hits that are die to skyscrapers is just because of the sheer number mm-hmm. of windows, essentially. Right. No, so there's it's, just more houses in the world than there are skyscrapers. So.
1: And and perfect. down at a on a single or a double story house, like that's where all your vegetation is. Not
3: yeah, technically, exactly. they only hit know. like the first mm-hmm. four floors of skyscrapers too. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, skyscrapers probably don't have reflections yep. of trees in them yeah. if they're that high up, right? So,
3: yeah, most of them don't. So, yeah, they got a lot of bad attention, but it's really like your house is the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You're> high, <your laughs> it's better to like, yeah, and which is like in a way, it's a good thing because people have the ability to change it themselves. You're not like relying on mm-hmm. some corporate lawyer to say, like, sure, yeah, we'll treat our windows. It's like you can yeah. go out and draw on your windows with soap, right?
1: So, like, <clears throat> And it costs nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's
2: easy fix. Yeah, so yeah, cheap, so it's
1: fix. a Good, good solution and, too. And the soap makes sense because, like you said, you put it on in the spring, washes off, put it back on in the fall. It's not you don't have yep. to like a bar of it's soap not- is <laughs> what four dollars something yeah, like that. Yeah, same, yeah, super cheap. And yeah. you know you and don't it, have to go out and buy stickers that aren't going to stick next year and whatever, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and it's um, it doesn't. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, but it'll ruin my view. It, you don't even notice it. Your eyes just kind of adjust to it and ignore it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't notice it
2: all. But, yeah. yep, mm, That's and, cool.
1: And you're saving animals. <laughs> like, why are you so worried about your view? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. For the birds.
2: <laughs> For the birds. For the birds. We have, uh,
0: <laughs> we have a lot of bird... Uh, uh, some RS groups out here. I work construction and we have a lot of bird yeah. deterrence along the right of way. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is flicker tape everywhere. It's just like yeah. one side looks like aluminum foil, the other side's red. And then we yeah. have, <laughs> we have uh, quite a few predatory birds that we've put up like big bald eagle statues and owls and they are all down the right away oh. we've we've seen people pulling over and taking pictures yep. of these bald oh eagles that we put up. <laughs> and they're like some of these bald eagle things are like five feet tall like they're giant they're super yeah. expensive they're meant to be seen from a distance and we've seen quite a few tourists coming through and like why are you taking pictures of our right away oh the bald eagle there holy smokes look at the size of them <laughs> like yeah yeah, it's that's real take. neat, and don't correct them or whatever. And just keep yeah. them. <laughs> but we have real neat oh, uh, groups that come out and and do the bird uh, bird sweeps, and uh, you know we have a strict programs for uh, nesting for raptor season yeah. and, and all that, right? So and it's been largely successful where we're at. Like, there's legit boundaries and stuff. Um, you know, CNS. Yep. That's it for that area. CNS on a piece of equipment. Well, that's done until the birds are fledged or or whatever the EFG the calls for. <laughs> and it's yeah. a, it's a super neat process and yeah, they're, they're pretty awesome. Some of the guys, you know, well, if there's a nest, we can't work in the area. Yeah. So you see them in the tailgate meeting, they're on Amazon. They're looking for uh, fake nests to go put on their, <laughs> on their stuff. It's oh for the birds, gosh. for the birds. It's like you smart little buggers. Here's 10 bucks. <laughs> <Get it laughs> of I'll didn't,
1: put
0: one on um, my truck.
1: Didn't somebody, didn't one of the big cranes or something like that have a nest built on it and they couldn't it was use a, it?
0: a side boom. It was one of the side booms for Lauren and Pipe, and something came and made a nest. And yeah, they they had left the equipment for a little while, and they weren't doing their due diligence and keeping activity in the area to deter the nesting. And sure as shit, right on the equipment, nice little nest. And they're like, "Well, you're you're done with that one. Well, so we can't work. No, that's what that means. <laughs> we can't work." Like. <laughs> For the birds, so it's yeah, yeah for the yeah. birds is like a, a mantra we have out here. Oh birds, <laughs> no. <working>. love it. <laughs> so it's it's neat though. It's it's nice to come up and talk to these guys. They're they're very nice people too, the ERS crews. They you know they sit there and they bird watch and they, they're writing down, they're they're very meticulous in, in when they mm-hmm. seen what they're doing, sounds it's making. Yeah. You know, they're they're very smart people, and these are sounds that are indicative of stress. Oh, okay. Yep. So we need to increase our buffer zone. Okay, yep. sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really neat process. I really like hanging out with some of them.
2: That's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did no, you, it's. Have you had to do any well. deterrent in the city? Do you guys like? Does the airport or in the city at all? Uh,
3: they right? they do do it. Um, I don't do any of it myself, but I know they have uh like falconers for um the dump, and they mm-hmm. also have uh people out at the airport for yeah bird deterrent type stuff so i know at the dump they use falcons to keep away gulls so they have mm. a hired falconer um who flies raptors cool. yeah. um to keep the gulls and stuff away <laughs> i
2: don't That's know how effective sad. it is did <laughs> with with but... <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> the, are... the
0: falcons bring them back or is it just like more of just a scare, scare tactic do they, do, they end, do they end up killing a lot of they, the gulls
3: i think they would there's mm-hmm. there's no stopping it like they're they're hunting birds uh but i yeah and i think that's probably would be like their reward mm-hmm. when i get this fresh meat <laughs>
2: Fair enough.
3: Yeah. yeah i did mm-hmm. i knew i knew someone who was the falconer for a while so i went and looked but it was several years ago now so i can't remember them. Hmm. details i only got to go see because they had a bird that i had a harris hawk which is a bird i'd love to go see in the wild um they're more of like a southern america species Hmm. um not south america but like southern usa (laughs) Mm -hmm. so but they have one at the dump
1: Uh, but they have one at the (laughs) top yeah so i I like
2: kind of saw one (laughs)
1: This is our dump raptor. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> dump bird. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm awesome. Sorry. Um, I just want to, we talked a lot about some like ways in mitigating harm for birds. So I just want to recap all those things so that if people are listening, they hear it all in one space. And if they're, you know, looking for ways that they can help birds during migration or in general, like what what are some things that you would say to people if they were interested in doing what they can as just a general public person to like help birds?
3: Cool. Yeah. Um, keep cats inside. <laughs> Big one. Um, try to keep lights out and you know, treat your windows so that especially during spring and fall, like you don't have to do it in the summer and in the winter. The birds are most at risk during the migration seasons. So spring and fall, which is in Manitoba is spring migration starts kind of like mid-April till end of May. And no one's going to like to hear this, but fall is August for birds. Um, (laughs) August through till like end of September is when you'd treat them for that. Um, Other like little things you can do is, you know, this is my bird-friendly coffee plug. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, switching to bird-friendly coffee can be a huge uh help too. uh sun-grown coffee which is your cheap stuff like your Folgers, Tim Hortons, um all of that all of the all of the coffee that is cheap is generally grown in the sun and not only is it it has very low like bird diversity when they grow it but it's also like poor quality coffee so it's very bitter and acidic uh so you switch to even just switching to a sun or a shade-grown coffee is better but there is a special bird-friendly uh, certification, and the coffee tastes so much better. Uh, but yeah, it's like I don't know. There's there's like seven species in sun-grown coffee, and like fifty-something species in a shade-grown or like bird-friendly coffee. And the mm-hmm. the birds that are in there are are like migratory birds, like ones that you know they're here, they're in Canada for the summer, and then they fly south to South America. For the winter and they have no habitat because we've cleared it all for coffee um mm. so yeah and uh you can buy that online uh just look up bird friendly coffee and lots comes up mm. um but yeah if you do bird feeders too uh, it's really important to keep them clean uh so every like week or so do like a 10 percent bleach solution um and if you're feeding hummingbirds do not use red dye uh, that's one that it can make them really stick. Um, yeah. Don't feed ducks bread. <laughs> uh, everyone, a- loves to feed, everyone loves to feed ducks. At, on the, you know, they throw bread out for them on the river, like at the duck pond at a cinnamon park and stuff, but uh, it's got no nutrients to it. It fills them up without giving them anything. And they essentially just starve and they get like a, an issue we call it angel wing. So their feathers grow in without any feathers on them essentially and then they can't oh. fly so yeah don't feed birds bread it's very huh. bad for them feed them mm-hmm. uh like seed like if you're if you have to feed the birds feed the seed um yeah but those are kind of like things that any person can do at all time mm-hmm. if you want to attract birds to your yard adding some sort of water feature is the ultimate best way plus mm-hmm. uh, so you can have water all year round um good to have a bubbler so it has that like sound and also the motion kind of draws them in uh it also keeps mosquitoes from breeding in your little water <laughs> patch uh and you can use like a heated bird bath in the winter time just make sure it's not too deep or you put something like uh like spruce branches in it so that they can't like fully submerge themselves essentially but
2: mm-hmm. yeah huh. those
3: are good tips
1: um, Kelsey, during migration periods like so every like people feed birds at different times in the year, is it helpful or necessary to have like different kinds of feeders out for birds that might be traveling south for them to have like a pit stop?
3: Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessary birds will find food. Um, it's just fun. So, I put out <laughs> It's like the bird food feeding thing is really for us, I would say. Um, but like it it can help a, a bit, but a lot of the birds like they're good at finding food. Um, mm-hmm. so put out whatever you want when you want. The only risk is that if you start feeding in the wintertime, you have to continue all winter. Yep.
1: Um,
3: so birds kind of create like little feeding routes. Uh so they, you know, they know where there's food and then they do these little like cycles and they hit these specific spots where they find food. And if they show up, say it's like a bitter cold day and they show up to one of their like feeding patches and there's no food there, now they they potentially might not have enough energy to get to the next patch kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. So if you
3: are going to feed for the winter, you have to make sure that you do it all winter, like really consistently. Otherwise, I would recommend just stopping like October or something and picking it back up again in April because mm-hmm. you can do more harm than good if you've stopped feeding partway through the winter, winter and it kind of like throws off there. Cycle, but otherwise, there's really no harm to feeding the birds at any time of the year, as long as your feeders are kept kind of clean. Because there is a parasite that could go around and wipe out finches, Mm. Um, so it's important to keep them clean too. And try not to feed corn. Um, Eat things like black oil sunflower seed, because corn nobody eats the corn. It just makes a mess. You're just going to attract mice to your (laughs) yard. So nope, no good. <laughs> yeah, they just they birds are picky. If they don't like it, they huck it. <laughs> yeah. So if uh and corn is not one, like morning doves will eat it, and that's about it. So and, geese. and if you've got turkeys <laughs> coming around you and you yeah. some So
0: yeah. We we have a yeah. black oil sunflower place right close to to home there okay. by Lipoa. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. pretty good system, actually. The honor system you go in, he's got a, a I shouldn't maybe say it on the internet but um he's got like a set there and people just with a jar throwing the money yep. grab your bags and go you really yeah, just system.
1: drive in there and take your yep. bags and and he's got mm-hmm. bag bags on bags on bags oh like, yeah. there's always i'm not supply. sure what it's like right now but there will be like 50 bags piled up yeah. mm-hmm. and then like i have never been in there without like he, he never runs out it nope. seems like yeah <clears throat> so.
3: and it would be in high
1: demand yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's gone like it's gone up in price. And I think mom had called him because that's where she gets her bird seed. And uh he had said that you know, he like there are more people buying now. So mm-hmm. he's trying to keep up
3: Yeah. Birding was one of was another one of those things that a lot of people picked up during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're all stuck at home and they look outside, like, oh, what are all these birds out my window?
2: And, all
3: and yeah. everyone picked up bird watching and fishing, uh,
2: um,
3: which is good, yeah, yeah.
1: which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, because, well, and those are like two things that you would have done before the pandemic, yeah. I was doing it first, cool, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Kelsey is, your primary is fly fishing. Would you say that? Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, yeah, yeah, fly fishing, my favorite.
3: Um, I don't, yeah, it's just something, something different about it. It's a bit slower, um, bit more methodical. Um, it's a lot of satisfaction when you catch a fish on like a fly that you made yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just like. I feel like there's a whole other experience because like right from the beginning you make the fly and you don't have to make flies to fly fish. Kind of one of those like, you know, fly fish gets a fly fishing gets a bad rap because people think it's so prestigious, but um we're not at all like that. <laughs> You're not all purists. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a purist at all. I fish catfish. <laughs> <Just Yeah>. like, <laughs> rolling over <in> the creams. <laughs> um but yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, I got into fly fishing when I, when I worked in North Dakota. So, you know, a weird place to get into fly fishing, yeah. uh, but just immediately fell in love with it and have kind of been slowly learning, but, uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to fly fish. Like we live in Manitoba, it's windy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can make it a challenge. And then also depending on who you're fishing with, I don't always want to pull out a fly rod because it gets you know, a little more complicated on a boat.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but fly fishing—it's definitely my favorite, and I like to try different species on it and challenge myself a little bit. So, big challenge.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're usually—I think the most—the the most posts and pictures and stuff that I've seen is—is is big cats. Uh, yeah, I've been to like Which, so which like, when someone's like, oh, we're just going to go fly fish for cats, I'm like, you're going to do what for cats? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to yeah. catch one of those big things on a fly rod? I know. You it's know. Like, 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 talk about
3: adrenaline.
1: Like, it's like, can't, like, yeah, there's, there's no words for it.
3: It's, as soon as one hits, it's like, you know, like, there's no, like, oh, I don't know what this is. It's like, I have a cat. Like, you're, like, drag <laughs> is peeling. You've got mm-hmm. you no... Know, no control you're just hanging on for dear life and (laughs) that's pretty much what it is it's yeah it's uh it's exciting because it's like you know you're like stressed so like i just want to like land this fish because it can get off at any time like we're using you know hooks they're they're no the hooks are smaller than my pinky kind of thing like Mm -hmm. length. the tiny like you see some of the like usually people on shore fishing with like a size one-aught hook we're fishing with like size four, size six. yeah. So it's several sizes down. And uh, a lot of people have a hard time believing like you caught a cat on that. It's so tiny, such a big fish. It's like, Yeah. They just kind of, they grab it. They self set the hook pretty much. And they're just off running and you're just hanging on. And as soon as you get any sort of like give you're just like reeling like it's one of the only fishes that takes you straight to your reel like a lot of times you're hand stripping line in mm-hmm. with a fly mm-hmm. and a cat i've never hand stripped a cat it's been my reel has done i've had to use the drag on my reel for every cat Oof. sometimes you- you're fighting it for 15 minutes like i can't believe just, that's crazy. like and you can feel because they barrel roll right and mm-hmm. the fly rod is so Bouncy that you can feel. Mm-hmm. like, oh, it's rolling. Like, I know exactly when that fish is rolling, and so you're trying to like get your angles right. So that you're tent, keep your tension, and you know you're standing waist deep in the Red River, like trying to hold <laughs> her.
1: Like, yeah, it's like, an, it's like another cat comes and smashes you, and <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen
3: where I could oh my like goodness, it, like hits me in the back of the legs. It's kind of freaky. W-
1: I would freak. I would freak out. Oh too. yeah. You'd lose
3: yep. it. I might have lose my mind once time. or twice out there when, and if you're facing the current the right direction, it kind of gets like caught. Like, it's like <laughs> oh
2: my god! No.
1: <laughs> you're
2: like
1: have you ever had a cat get like right to the very end of your line? Like into the backing After and
3: the, yeah, I've gone into the backing.
1: Um
3: I my biggest is 37 and a half inches. Jesus yeah yeah and that one that was a good like probably close to 20 minutes um and just like I could barely lift the fish kind of thing like it was just heavy um but yeah 37 and a half is what we measured and just that one was into my backing I think twice oh. um and just like it's like that where you're like oh my god I'm into the backing like I, what
1: do I do what do I do what do I do
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta get control over this fish but you just you can't. <laughs> like, yeah, you're just so... you like, oh, I hope it. Yeah, but yeah, I've never had one take all of like backing as well. It's just been. But I went. Have you like, ever seen well that? Into the backing on that one, so it was.
1: I'm like getting. I'm like, I just want to come to Winnipeg now.
3: This is a really good time year. Like September is
1: like so great for.
3: I'm supposed to be in.
1: They're just. uh the twenty hang on i am just go pull up my life on my phone next next weekend kelsey i'm supposed to be in yeah i'm supposed next to be weekend? in with shauna okay, well let me okay well let me know if you're like mm-hmm. free we'll try to make
3: something work i'm banding then but we could do like an evening thing anyway so you're
1: banding over the weekend
3: i band from the 17th to the 30th so 14 days straight um, every day
1: every day in the morning right
3: <laughs> yeah yeah okay. half an hour before sunrise
1: until and we go six hours Text me. How okay. It per- <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to, because I think we've I'm, had a conversation a about this before out. that maybe I shouldn't talk about on the podcast. So yes. I'm going to send you a message. But I'm also okay. looking, you're 17th to 30th, you said? Yeah. Yep. Bird. Yeah, I'm uh, the, the person who normally
3: does the bander banding is going away. So they've hired me for the last two weeks. So I'll be there. Every um.
1: Day. So in the evenings, is that when you normally kish, kish fats? Holy man! Yep, fish, fish cats. cats in the evening, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like in the into the, the dark. Yeah. What time are you at the banding station in the morning? Uh, half an hour first. Well, like forty-five minutes like before five? sunrise. Yeah, whatever sunrise. I don't know what
3: sunrise is right now. It's
1: early. Scary early. It's
3: later now. Like a month ago, we were. I was. Yeah, up by there. like
1: two minutes every day. It's earlier or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, two whole see. minutes. So if let's see, so sunrise is.
3: Sun- sunrise is until seven No. Oh. it's very late um Let's
1: see so yeah i'd have to have the nets up by 6 30 so i'm out there usually at 6 15 crazy so oh. you could fish in the evenings which is what yeah. most people do on the red for cats right yeah um and i think a lot of people that listen have heard about cat fishing most likely and probably about the red but um just because i'm thinking about it now cats aren't the only thing that you can catch there no no you've uh yeah,
3: so out at Lockport. Um I have a 30 inch carp from Lockport. That was also a fun. Oh my one. gosh. Um on fly. And then yeah, another like drag peeling wild crazy situation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sauger. to get into Sauger. Um I've never caught, but Pike and Walleye are taken on the fly out of the red. All the time and like big pike, like people mm-hmm. talk about like 36 inch pike they caught on the fly at Lockport. Um Gee. there's always, you know, there's the occasional like big mouth buffalo that comes out of there.
2: Oh
3: yeah. Uh I, uh, I caught a quillback one time, really? which was yeah, that was like soon as I saw it, I was like, Oh my god, this is something different, special.
1: <laughs> so when I finally
3: like netted it, I was like, it's a quillback it's like the uh, canadian version
1: eye. of a rooster fish yeah
3: um gold eye, you know we do the gold, oh, gold yeah. lots of gold eye uh drum drum are actually a lot of fun mm. especially if you get into like a 20 like once you get into a 24 inch drum who's mm-hmm. like Oof. yeah like beast on the you fly like rod just even honestly the gold, gold eye, i would love to fish like take out a little five weight fly rod and fish for gold eye Because I use a 10 weight, so it's a very large, like, normally what you use for, like, salt water. So I use a 10 weight for cats, um, which is probably equivalent to, like, your medium heavy or a heavy, like, conventional. Um, And the gold eye, when they hit, like, the rod, like, bends. Like, they're so, for such a tiny little fish, they're so aggressive. Like, your line is just, like, pulled straight out and you're like, man. And then they swim straight at you though so you go to set your hook and they swim straight at you so you got something you're like stripping <laughs> yeah, <my cat. laughs> like, yeah so you end up losing several of them um because they're just wild but it'd be so fun out there on like a little five weight but i'm too afraid to bring a five weight rod out onto the red and like accidentally hook into a cat and, and smash it, all the like, pieces just yeah, I just I've I've heard of people taking out equipment that's like a little bit too small, and the reels just like exploded.
1: Really? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Lots would
3: an eight weight things. work on the red? Yeah, eight weight would be like the bare minimum that I would ever take out on the yeah. red.
1: Mm. Um, that's I have an eight weight somewhere.
3: Yeah. 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 Eight's eight's bare minimum. Um, and then I prefer a ten, but. I could probably get into a nine now that I'm more mm-hmm. comfortable and, you know, I've had some practice. Had some practice. <laughs> now, now that um, i like somewhat
1: know what I'm doing? <laughs> when, when you're fishing them, you're, you, are you guys fishing, um, sinking line? Or are you fishing mostly, um, floating uh, line? Uh, it depends on the day. Mm-hmm. So some days where they're like stuck
3: to the bottom. You definitely want yeah. sinking and like a heavy fly. Those are the days where you see them like more on the surface, and they're like kind of um, feeding like mid-level, and you might switch to a floating line just to get your fly to sink a little slower. Um, yeah. But yeah, rarely like dry fly type thing. It's usually subsurface okay. or bottom. Right. Fishing. So. Yeah. Nice. That's wild. That's
0: awesome. I What's those...
1: your? Go ahead, Brian.
0: Oh, no, just the, it's amazing the muddy brown rivers of Manitoba have right. so many species. <laughs> we, call them, it. like... we call them like Manitoba
2: salmon. Ew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: a lot. A lot of people are eating cats right now too. I saw Joshua Pads yeah. had a catfish recipe the other day, and uh, I talked about a on a previous podcast. There's a catfish sandwich at this restaurant in Lacombe, Alberta. That's just unreal. So really? it's it's good fish to eat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
3: yeah I'd hmm. love to try it. I haven't. Uh... I haven't mm-hmm. caught anything small enough.
1: <laughs> I would yeah. fly, Oh, darn. i right. just into such big fish.
0: <laughs> and I can't be bothered with the eater
1: size. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. Um, and you usually go with a group, don't you, Kelsey? Yeah, the Manitoba Fly Fishers Association.
3: Um, so Manitoba is a strange fly fishing destination, but we have an extremely active uh, club. The Mm -hmm. Manitoba Fly Fishers Association. So I'm on the executive, so maybe I'm a little biased, but uh I don't know. I got it I got involved in the club because they almost don't let you fail. So they're so willing to share information with you and they want you to succeed so badly that they're just like, you know, I was oh I've been a member for five years. So I was, you know, a somewhat young female coming into what i was worried would be like an old boys club kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's like yeah there's it's a lot of older men mostly older men but it does not have the old boys club feel uh, they're yeah. just like like i was like welcomed in like part of the family just oh. treated like one of them kind of thing and um yeah just they share so much information and i've learned so much and it's why i've Probably why I've stuck with fly fishing because I know if you're trying to do it on your own, it can be really frustrating. Like when your cast doesn't work, yeah, because um, it's quite the the learning curve to get the cast right. But they do all sorts of different. Like we meet every Tuesday, and in the spring we do casting clinics. So all their experienced casters will like help you with things. And so yeah, oh, my casting. Cool. Yeah, we have so many different mentoring programs, and we do different. um Like we have a fly school. So in May we have. There's two different days that we do, like a fly fishing school. Uh, we've teamed up with Manitoba Wildlife Federation and done some events with them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just always something going on, and everyone's so willing to help. And they do like we have a cabin in the Duck Mountains that members can have access to. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like, like it's 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 amazing. Like for a non typical fly fishing area, the mm-hmm. fly fishing community in Manitoba is very active. Um and we have some like world-renowned fishing in Manitoba. Like you're talking like northern Manitoba, like Grayling and Char. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the parkland region, like um, you know, like, tiger trout in Manitoba is like people come from all over yeah Canada. Just to fish, fish for tigers. The tiger trout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of the like most successful lakes they have. Uh and then the cat fishing too. There's people people when they find out about cat fishing, like on the fly, they travel from like the States up to Manitoba to, and they usually talk to people at the club to find out mm-hmm. like how they do it. Someone's always willing to help, but it's just so unique. Like it's nowhere else in the world fishes for cats on the fly like we do in mm-hmm. Manitoba. Mm-hmm. It, it's so unique. It's unheard of. Like <laughs> no one, no one believes you. So, no one
1: believes you. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, That's and they're cool. big cats too. Yeah. Like we've got big cats in Manitoba. So it's Yeah. Yeah. They're no, cats. I'm very involved with the Fly Fishers
1: Association because they're just such great folks. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Aw, because they're such great folks. Yeah. I will yeah. um Kelsey, we've kept you for an hour and twenty already, but I wanna ask you one more question or I wanna allow you to do something um before we let you go. Um do you wanna plug? The banquet, sure. Yeah, tell us about the fly fishing banquet.
3: Yeah, so obviously we are a like not not for profit organization. So we and we run a lot of educational programs. So we have an annual fundraiser. Um, so our banquet is November fourth in the evening at six p.m. We hold it in Winnipeg at the Viscount Gort. Um, amazing food. We've already got some really good prizes rolling in. Uh, but yeah, if anyone wants to go to the banquet, you can tickets should be available. You can find us on Instagram, MB underscore flyfishers, or our website, mffa.org. Um, but get a hold of us if you want some tickets or if you just want to donate some prizes too. We're always looking for donations because it's it's kind of our major biggest fundraiser of the year and um we are in serious need of some eight weight fly rods because our education mm. program is growing immensely and we only have five weights right now so we'd love to get yeah. some eight weights <laughs> at some point so that we can actually go out to the river um and do a bit more hands-on stuff so yeah November 4th 6 p.m buy count and yeah you can get a hold of me for tickets or a
1: cloud, or yeah, yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And Thanks. then uh, I I like to do this with people. Um, Kelsey, where can people find you if they want to watch more about your birding and your fly fishing? Yeah, I'm mostly active on Instagram. I guess so. It's Kelsey dot in the wild,
3: um, and on Facebook, it's actually the same thing. Um, but yeah, that's and I'm on TikTok too, but I'm not that active it's the same Kelsey dot in the wild uh yeah, Instagram's kind of the the main bread and butter mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> less less uh with no actually like financial kickback of any sort though
1: so yeah right <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah no I share a lot of uh probably a lot of really jerky things like you know what birds are coming through my yard and I love when people send me ID questions, so don't yes. ever hesitate to send me, like, what's this bird? I've had everything from, like, strange drawings to voice oh recordings gosh. of someone <laughs> trying to imitate a bird. Oh, my goodness. Actually, I think oh, I yeah. did that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did it all the time. We're like, I heard this bird, and it sounds like, and they'll send me, like, a voice recording of them trying to mimic it. I've had, yeah, drawings. People draw me a picture and be like, I yeah, had this, like thing and yeah yeah she's our resident <laughs>
1: bird ID yeah
3: yeah it's a good challenge for me too as part of it that's why I love it
1: keeps you remembering so. what everything looks like yeah yeah it's keeps it all fresh yeah
0: So then
2: we,
0: we had one of the RS guys out here when I was coming back one time I, I saw a, gr- a great big white bird in a slough uh, just before Saskatoon I was like, it looked like a heron but all white and like JD before I could even get it he's yeah he's just like he was an egret I was like hey, so I this <laughs> yeah okay. I was just like oh like I could barely get it he's like egret yep it's lame <laughs> <laughs> he's like sorry it's just a it's just a tick I have
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's pretty yeah.
1: good well Kelsey I want to thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon and yeah thanks for letting me uh fully nerd out here <laughs> yes <laughs> i yes,
0: love thanks it thanks that was pretty great I learned a lot the okay.
1: thanks see you
0: see ya well that was a pretty good podcast that we did with kelsey <laughs> i just kind of <laughs> sat by and listened to you guys uh kind of bro down a bit you know I, I don't have i don't have much to offer in the uh World of the birds, you know, I mostly just hunt them and eat them. But, uh, you guys, you know, there's a lot more to it. And she's just such a knowledgeable person when it comes to, uh, to, to doing things with birds. (laughs) That's really all I got to say about it.
1: Yeah. I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy talking to Kelsey about birds. I think I mentioned it somewhere there in the podcast about how you can ask Kelsey. Like anything about a bird, you can say, I saw a bird in the bush that is p- purple and white, and it has a pink stripe on it. And she knows exactly like, I, I text Kelsey from BC when I was at nationals. And I said, I saw a bird in the bush that looks like kind of like a grosbeak, but has an, a yellow head. And she knew exactly what it was right away. Hmm. And then I googled it when I got back into service. And sure enough, she was right.
2: Mm-hmm. it really
0: is her own uh, really is her jam yeah so yeah well that's good that's good uh so that was a really good podcast like we talked for quite a while I <laughs> what uh uh what the timing got kind of pared down to there but um was there anything else going on out there in manitoba right now i heard harvester outdoors is doing something with uh boat storage i think yeah that's what you're telling me before
1: yeah i so i noticed that on their social media that harvester is now doing outdoor storage and so they're they've got storage space for boats trailers rvs things like that they're mm-hmm. i believe 30-foot lots and they had mentioned in their post that they've got 24-hour surveillance they've got a fenced compound and those rates start at $50 and then I'm guessing like the longer your trailer or the more you need or whatever, it's going to increase from there. But one thing that I've never seen, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, Brennan, is uh, boat shrink wrapping.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it, but I don't know. Like I've I've only ever seen it probably come from the factory, I guess. Maybe it's the same same thing or maybe they run around with a bunch of saran wrap. I don't know. I was literally,
1: um, that was in I, my I, head.
0: I, I would imagine... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know much about that, but I think that's an amazing uh, feature that they'd offer.
1: Yeah. So, and yeah, then they are offering that at Harvester as well. Before you put your boat into storage, you can, uh, for I'm guessing an an increased, um, fee, you can get your boat shrink wrapped before it goes Mm -hmm. into storage.
0: Yep. Yeah. So reach reach out to Harvester guys. If you're in the Selkirk area and you need uh, some boat storage, look them up online or obviously on their social media on Instagram, but, uh, yeah be pretty Mm -hmm. handy i know we've been searching for a boat place for a while and then we finally got one so you know it's it's good to get in somewhere something like that
1: yep for sure um what else we got some store stuff going on um Mm -hmm. on the website there is i have updated the recipes section of the website so Mm -hmm. uh berry goods gum duck gumbo recipe is oh, yeah. on the recipes like blog page mm-hmm. and the morel mushroom sauce from the spring is now visible and there's another one i think it's the vindaloo mm-hmm. tristan's vindaloo recipe so now as long as the update has taken there when you go to the home page on uh, panoramic outdoors if you scroll down there should be a section where you can see our recipes mm-hmm. right off the homepage. Yep. Um, so that is,
0: and yes. of course, check, check back soon because we're probably going to be adding more recipes to there. Uh, if you mm-hmm. guys have any recipes too, you know, there might be some opportunity there for a, a contest to see uh, some wild game recipes. You know, we like to share yeah. with everybody and then put that out there into the world. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing in the store right now is our Pharaoh gear is now on the store website. We, uh, we had a bit of, um, uh, an archery sort of influenced clothing line, or I guess hats and sweaters that we, that we wanted to get out to you guys and put on the store. So I think we still have a few things left. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're, they're running out pretty quick, but, uh, yeah, go over and check it out uh, on the website We're we're working on the website a little bit every day here to try and get her all revamped.
1: That's right. Yep. And if you need, you know, if you have any questions about gear I know some people have, you know, gone to look at something and maybe the picture or the description doesn't explain it well enough for you. Please reach out to us. Um, we are more than happy to give you like any kind of answers you need to make your, you know, shopping experience a good one. Mm-hmm. So that's right. If you need anything, let us know, but do check those out. That's our new Pharaoh collection. So there's a black on black hoodie and it's a really nice it's like a it's a fall hoodie is what i call it it's kind of thicker and a little bit heavier in material weighted sort of thing and then we have the black on black hat and so those are both up in the store
0: yep limited time
2: only that's right (laughs) yeah
0: yeah well i think that's pretty much all we have uh going on right now guys thank you for tuning into the episode um like i said we had a blast talking with kelsey and i'm sure she'll be uh coming back on at some point here for April to pick pick her brain a little bit more but uh, yeah thanks guys